Last week we didn't get to finish Daniel chapter 7, and so we'll be doing Daniel chapter 7 part 2, if you will. And so, got to cover most of the vision that, it's in, that is in chapter 7. He was talking about the kingdoms that would uh, be coming along in the future. Um, now, even though I, I read from verses 1 to about verse 22, I didn't really go in order. I kind of, we, 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 we got through some of it, and then I jumped back to, to cover part of the, the kingdoms that were there. And so tonight, I'll probably read all the way through at certain portions. We'll read through it, but there's things that we already covered, but I'll probably touch on. And so try to stay with me. I'm going to ask you guys tonight, basically, to be turning to different places. If you don't have to, you can just jot them down. But there's other places that I want to turn tonight, so I'll probably be asking you to turn here, turn there, uh, probably be in Revelation and in Isaiah, just to kind of give you a heads up. And so we are in Daniel chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Uh, we kind of covered these the other day, but I just kind of want to read through them once again. It says, In the first year of... of in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirred up, or stirring up the great sea, and the four great beasts came up out of the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man, and uh, a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear, it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said to, thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw, I saw in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, devouring, breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the, all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. As I considered the horns, there was another horn, a little horn, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there, in, his horn, in this horn, were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. And so Daniel's vision as I kind of reminded you last week, was kind of the same vision that Nebuchadnezzar had back in chapter 2. There's a similarities that go with both of these, 
these visions, but yet they're different. As, as far as what the nations would be in power and in future, they were all the same. But all, all of this, again, all, all of this must have just kind of tripped Daniel out because he's, he's probably thinking, I've seen this before. I've, I've seen the resemblance of what God is saying here, even though he's going to ask for interpretation a little later. But the fact that God would show him the similar vision the second time, I guess you could say that that was a confirmation of what was about or what would be happening. And so there was a difference in the way that, that they were seen. Um, and by that I mean that Nebuchadnezzar's dream or vision, there was an image associated with this vision, with this dream. And it had to do more with the outside parts of this image, the facade, the makeup of the, of the empires and their splendor or the lack thereof of their splendor. Whereas Daniel's vision had to do with beasts. And this got more, this, this, this got more into what their characteristics would be like. These kingdoms, the type of kingdoms that they would be. And the amazing thing about it is that throughout the history of these kingdoms, of this vision, and what they resembled and their, their characteristics came true. They, all of these visions or all of these empires were true to character of how they were described here in, in the book of Daniel. The lion, as we looked at really quick, the lion that had these eagle wings, well, that was Babylon. He, he, Babylon was the head of gold in the image. And again, when you look at the image and, and the size of it, it was huge. But when in, in retrospect, as you're looking at it, the, the head was smaller than the rest of the body, just like our heads are. But this one was of gold. And so, so it speak, spoke of, of something that was like amazing, that was huge, that was, that was just expensive and the splendor of it all. And it rained, Babylon reigned from about 626 B.C. to 539 B.C. And so they, they were around for about 87 years. Now it's interesting, when they came to Jerusalem in 605 B.C., they, they lasted only 66 years after the, they started taking the captives. And the captives would be in Babylon for 70 years, and yet they would go into that next empire. And so the next, the next thing that, that Daniel sees is the bear. The bear that, 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 that had the, you know, that was one side was bigger than the other or taller than the other and, and had the three ribs and stuff. This is the Medo-Persian empire. And when you look at this, this was the chest and the arms. And they were made out of silver. A little less splendor there, but a little bigger than the head. And they reigned from 539 B.C. to 333 B.C. And so they, they lasted for about 206 years. So again, you see something smaller and it got a little bigger. They reigned a little longer. After the, the bear was a leopard, and that was the Greek Empire, or the Grecian Empire, and which was the belly and the thighs made out of bronze. Again, it's diminishing in splendor, but again, it's not 
way bigger than the 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 the, the upper part, but it's it's bigger. It's it's more girth, if you will. And they reigned from from about 333 BC to 40 BC. They ended up reigning for about 280. Nine years, almost 300 years. So you can see that they're reigning a little longer and longer. And then we get to the fourth beast that he mentions in verse 7. And this beast kind of freaked Daniel out quite a bit. And he couldn't even identify what kind of beast it was. And yet we know that this is the Roman Empire. And this represents in in in, in, Bab- in um in what you call it, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's image, it was the legs of iron. And again, they're not big, but they're long. And they reigned from 44 BC to 476 AD. So they ended up reigning for about 520 years. And so again, you kind of see from the head all the way down to the legs that it just got longer and longer. And, and, and they reigned for, for more time. Now, Daniel was troubled by this fourth beast, but not so much the first part of it. And the first part of it was the one that reigned for 520 years. It was the second part of this dream, of this beast, that kind of tripped Daniel out. That kind of freaked him out somewhat because he's looking at this beast. He can't make make the distinction of what exactly it is. And yet, it's the second part of the beast, the ten horns, that really captured his attention. So much so that he would ask about it several times in this chapter. And this would be the revived Roman Empire. These these are the feet in the image that that Nebuchadnezzar saw. These would be the feet partly of iron and partly of clay. They would be ten toes. So we have ten horns here, but they represent ten toes in the image. And it's interesting because there's a little horn, it says, a little one that comes up out of the ten horns and swallows up three other horns. However, that happens. Now, last week, I read to you from Revelation chapter 13. I won't do it again, but I wanted to read to you from Revelation 13 because what we see in Revelation 13 is a similarity of what he is looking at here and what we see in Revelation. And how there, the same, there's some same characteristics associated with the beast in chapter 13 and this beast that we see in chapter 7 of Daniel. And, and, and the, the beast that we see in Revelation is, is what we call, or what he is called, the Antichrist, the man of sin, the man or the son of perdition. Or the lawless one. And it's spoken about um, in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 from verses 3 to 12. You, you, you could read about this son of perdition, this lawless one. And what he is all about and the lie that he brings to the people. And how the people will follow after him. He will have this charismatic um, characteristic about him that people will actually follow him. And it's interesting because we as Christians would go, who would follow him? Well, he's going to not just be this guy that comes out and is like, I am the Antichrist. He's not going to be scaring people. He's going to come and he's going to swoop people away. 
And it's interesting because when we start looking at, at things like that, you say, how could people be deceived by somebody like that? If you read about him in, in Revelation 13, or if you read about him in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Well, people are deceived by a lot of things. And they are so easily swayed by certain things, especially if it benefits them. And as I was studying about this whole time, and we think about this kingdom that is being talked about, this second part has not happened yet. The, the, the revived Roman Empire is still in the future, and that's why it's made up of, of ten kings, and that's why it's made up of the ten toes that is partly of iron and partly of clay. Because there will be the remnants of the Roman Empire, but it won't be fully the empire. It tells us in chapter 2 that, that it's fragile. It's strong and it's fragile, and yet they, are come, they come together, but they cannot adhere to one another because they just can't. Clay and iron just cannot mix together, but they're put together somehow. And so that part of it and that's what Daniel is just kind of tripping out on going this this these 10 horns man this little horn comes up out of it and it kind of overtakes three of them and it says that it has the eyes of a man and a mouth that speaks pompous words so so there's going to be something about this that he could see and he could perceive and he could understand and he will speak and he will speak boastful things pompous things in revelation chapter 13 we read the word blasphemous things and so again he's going to come on the scene and people are just going to go this is the one the word antichrist doesn't mean that he is so much against christ is that he is another christ but he is against it but he will portray himself as one who is a savior for the world and people will fall for it now the final kingdom and notice I didn't say that it's that, this fourth kingdom that I was just talking about. Or the fifth kingdom that will be associated with that fourth kingdom. The final kingdom is the one that we really didn't even cover last week. We read through, but we didn't cover. And that would be the kingdom of Christ. That would be... The, the, the one that, that we read about in chapter 2, if you remember that image of gold and silver and bronze and iron and, and clay and, and, and iron on the feet, it talked about this stone that was cut out without hands and it came and it crushed the feet of this image. It, it, it dealt with, with the ten toes it didn't hit the head. It didn't hit anywhere else in the body except the ten toes. And what we will, what we will see here is, is a picture of how he deals in this chapter with that, that portion of the revived Roman Empire. He will deal with the ten nations or kings as, as we saw last week. And so this is the stone that, that will come and will, it will become a great mountain and it will fill the earth. If you want, turn over a few chapters back to chapter 2 of, of uh, Daniel. 
And I just, again, just to, to kind of touch a little bit, when, when in verses 31 to 35, it, it gives us the picture uh, of this great image that Nebuchadnezzar dreamt about that, that Daniel is now talking about. And it does talk about how, how at the end of, of verse 35, and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. But I want to read to you from verse 40. Um, to about 43 or 44, somewhere around there. It says, And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything like iron that crushes. Uh, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet the to and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet strength, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay. And so he's kind of talking about the second part of that fourth kingdom, which I will be referring to as like the, the fifth kingdom of this, because that's still into the future. And it's interesting because it talks about the stone that, that comes and destroys it. And verse 44 and 45, it says, And in those days, these kings, these ten toes, the, uh, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to another peop to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king that that uh, what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. And so we, again, we get this picture as we go back to our text in chapter 7 that these kingdoms, these, these beasts that, that are represented here, they're kingdoms and God will deal with them. And so in verse 9 of chapter 7 to verse 14, it says this, I watched till the thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheel of burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. I watched then because of the sounds of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, 
They had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming in the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all people, nations, and uh, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, he shall not, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed. And so Daniel continues in, in his vision as he is watching uh, all of this unfold. And verse 9 where he says, I was watching or I watched the thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated. Which thrones were these that were put in place? Is he talking about the thrones of the kingdoms, of all the kingdoms that he had just saw? No, I don't think those are the thrones that he, he, he has in mind here. He is talking about the throne of God. God the Father, he, he kind of gets his glimpse of this kingdom that is being set up or has been set up that, that he sees God the Father on the throne and he sees another throne because it's plural here, the throne of one who sits at the right hand of God, which is God the Son. There's a reference to the ancient of days and no, he is not referring to me as I get older and older. The title here, and in verse 13 that we also saw the Ancient of Days reference to, is to God the Father. He is the Ancient of Days. But it's interesting because in verse 22, there's an equal application to God the Son as the Ancient of Days. The phrase, the Ancient of Days, is one that denotes an elderly or old Person, meaning he who is the most ancient as to days. And it is equivalent to, to the English, the eternal. That, that, that it kind of encompasses that. And so it's interesting because only here in Daniel chapter 7, verses 9, 13, and 22, do we see that title of ancient of days. And again, it's representative of one who is venerable in years, who has been around for a long time, sitting down for the purpose of judgment. The name itself does not refer to eternity as much, but it is used in the reference of the fact that God is eternal. He is also, God has been referenced throughout his word as he who is from everlasting to everlasting. He is referred to as the first and the last. He is referred to as the one who was and is and is to come. And all of those kind of give you a picture of one who is eternal because God, in fact, is eternal. So this ancient of days speaks of one who has always been or had, will always be. It talks about his garments as white as snow and his hair on his head as pure wool. 
and there's a fiery flame and the wheels of burning fire and there's there's a fire a fiery stream that it issues that comes out and all of this is speaking as far as the fiery stuff about the the judgment that is coming but his garments it refers to to the 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 God God the Father, but it sounds a lot like Jesus in Revelation one fourteen, where it says his head and his hair were as white as wool, as white as snow, and his eyes are like a flame of fire. And it's interesting because again we see a description of the ancient of days here referring to the Father, and yet in Revelation chapter one verse fourteen the same. The same verbiage is, is used, and yet it refers to Jesus because they are one. And so the description of God here, it, it can't be taken literal in the sense that God doesn't have a body. He doesn't wear clothes like we do. He doesn't grow gray hair. He's not up there getting more gray hairs because you and I. Again, it just kind of speaks of these characteristics, this, this nature this, this symbolism of who God is, that he is eternal, he is holy, and he is sovereign. Again, these are the same characteristics that apply to Jesus Christ, which proves that he is the eternal son of God. And so in verse 10, where it talks about this fiery stream, it, it, it speaks of the, uh, this whole scene that the court is in session. The court has been set up and a judgment is about to be handed down because God is the God of judgment. God is the God of judgment or else he could not be a just God. And it's interesting because people feel that God cannot judge and yet he does. Oftentimes people portray our God as this passive God. And I think oftentimes when we see and we think about his pacifist, his, his being passive, we, we, we are experiencing his grace. But never, no, never underestimate the judgment of God, that he is a just God. He has to be a just God because if he wasn't a just God, then, pun, then wickedness could never be punished disobedience would never be dealt with. But he is not a passive God when it comes to judgment. And so this fire speaks of his holiness. It speaks of, of judgment against sin. And, and the wheels symbolize the providential workings of, of, of how in, God works in this world. And we just don't quite understand how he does this, but it just keeps on rolling and moving forward. Because our God is a consuming fire. And he is praised here by the multitudes upon multitudes. The thousands of thousands minister to him. Ten thousand times ten thousands. It just speaks of this multitude that is there. And there's these books that are being opened. And the Lord prepares to judge the evil from, uh, on the earth. So no matter what, this kingdom with this ten horns, with all the evil that is behind it. And as we read in, in Revelation 13, that even Satan himself kind of gives his power to this Antichrist, to this man of sin. It doesn't matter what the Antichrist does. It doesn't matter what Satan does throughout this whole earth. God is still on the throne. 
and he executes judgment. And in verse 11, he says, I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. And again, it just kind of resembles that, that, that time when, when everybody will come before the white throne judgment and, 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 and all of the evil will be taken care of and be thrown into the lake of fire. Daniel is watching how this little horn is so boastful. This Antichrist is so boastful, and yet he will get his due. He will be taken care of, and not by, by us, but by God himself. This fourth beast, the second part of it, will be slain, and he will be consigned, and he will be committed to the flames of fire. This event... This, this, this judgment part of what will happen is the end, the finish, the conclusion, the termination of the times of the Gentiles. And as I've been sharing with you, that when Babylon came and took Jerusalem, that is when the times of the Gentiles started. But they will end one day. And they will end at the end of the tribulation before the final kingdom is set up. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 21. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by, by Gentiles till the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And a couple verses after, uh, after that, Luke 21, 27 says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power. And great glory. And so just as it started the time of the Gentiles, at one point Jesus will come and he will settle the issue. And the time of the Gentiles will be over. And so this is the picture that we are getting here where all of a sudden he, he's watching as this, this horn with pompous words is still speaking and he watched until the beast was slain and his body is destroyed and given to the burning the burning flame. It says, as for the rest of the beasts, now the kingdoms represented by the three previous kingdoms, those who preceded this beast, have already been stripped away as we've seen. They each kind of got overrun by the next kingdom. And it's interesting because all these other ones, the rest of the beasts, they were dominated by other kingdoms. Military kingdoms came in and conquered them. And so it seems that, that the, the second part of this fourth beast will be relieved by the power, but not militarily. It will be divinely judged by God himself. He won't be overcome by another kingdom, not a physical kingdom. All these other ones, it says, and the rest of these beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives prolonged for a season and a time. So it seems like the, the, the previous um, beasts or kingdoms were kind of allowed to live for a short time. And when I gave you the dates of, of when one kingdom started and the other one finished, those dates are, are just one of those portions that... that 
that they gave you this date, but they came in before and they were still around after. But they give you a specific date or a year of when the transition happened. But oftentimes when these kingdoms were overtaken, they kind of went into and kind of assimilated themselves even into the next kingdom or the next kingdom took from them some of the things that they wanted as far as their strategies and the way they did things. And so that's what this chapter, or this verse in verse 12, he says, for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And so they kind of assimilated to one another. Another interesting note that when we read in chapter 20, uh, or chapter 13, of Revelation, when, when we see that beast in, in Revelation 13, it has, it has the similarities of all of these kingdoms put together because verse 2 of chapter 13 of Revelation, it says, Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His, his feet were like the feet of a bear. And his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. And so all of these were just kind of blended into, they assimilated. And that's why this, this beast, that this fourth kingdom that Daniel couldn't even identify, when, when we get to Revelation 13, it says, And the dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his authority. And so this beast is just a monstrosity of a, of a creature that will take place later on in history. And in verse four, or 13, it says, I was watching in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming in the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom and a kingdom that all peoples nations and languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom is uh, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed and so now Daniel, as he's been seeing all of this take place, he is continuing to watch and he watches as, as he kind of gets this glimpse of Jesus now stepping into the vision. This, 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 this son of man, he, he says, he's coming in the clouds, coming to the ancient of days, and now this kingdom will be given to him. He comes before the Father. Turn over, if you will, to Revelation chapter 5. I want to read to you from Revelation chapter 5 because I thought it was kind of interesting what we just read in those couple of verses. kind of goes along with chapter 5 of Revelation, and I want to read to you from verses 1 through 12. It says, And I saw at the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll, sitting uh, uh, written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth 
or under the earth was able to open the seals or to look at it, or, or the scrolls, um, and to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out to all the, into all the earth. Then he, took, then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sits on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the twenty-four elders, fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. And you, have slain, you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us priests, kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Verse 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was th 10,000 times times ten thousands and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. Pretty amazing that, that Daniel writes basically the same thing thousands of years earlier, hundreds of years earlier, maybe not thousands, but hundreds of years earlier. And yet, we see that John, the writer of, of Revelation, is, is writing the same thing that kind of correlates with verses 13 and 14 of Daniel chapter 7. The first time Jesus came, he came as a, serv as a servant. And he came to serve, but when he comes again, we will see him come in power and in majesty as a king to rule and reign. It's interesting because when he came the first time, the Jews expected him to come and to clean house, to get them out from under the Roman rule because they were still under Roman rule. But he came to die for the sins of men. He came to save the world and mankind. But they wanted him to set up his kingdom right there and then, but that wasn't his purpose. It's interesting because his disciples thought the same thing. Even after the resurrection and right before his ascension, in Acts chapter 1 verse 6, right before he's to ascend and he's giving them the instructions of what they must do, the, 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 the disciples said, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, 
Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, they still had, they understood that the Messiah would come one day and would set up a kingdom. But that's not why he came the first time. But he will come the second time, and that's what we are looking at. That he will come another time, and all this will be handed to him, and he will set up his kingdom. Now, even though we as believers today can live in the kingdom of God or in the kingdom of heaven, because spiritually speaking, in Ephesians 1 3, it says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And yet, it's not a physical kingdom, it has not taken place. And yet, some believe that the kingdom of God has already been set up. And yet, that's not true because we are not in that place yet. Isaiah chapter 2, if you'd like to turn to Isaiah. I want to do some reading just to kind of give you a glimpse of, of what, what Daniel is kind of looking at here in the sense that, that he is talking about this kingdom. And in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, it says, The word, of the, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, uh, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow from it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, he will walk, and we shall walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their, their, their swords into plowshares, and their shears are plows shears or whatever and their shears into pruning hooks nation shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore O house of Jacob come and let us walk in the light of the Lord and so Isaiah kind of gives us a little picture of what will happen in the future in this future kingdom one where there will be peace and righteousness will prevail turn over a few chapters in Isaiah to chapter 11 again some more reading but again he's giving us a picture of this kingdom that will be set up it says in verse verse 1 to verse 10 it says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its root. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor 
and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be in the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the farthling together. And a child shall lead them. A cow and a bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like, an, like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in, in all the holy mountain. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord and the waters shall uh, cover the sea. In that day there shall be the root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people for the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. This thing that we read here, that we see here, again, we see this kingdom that, that, that's going to be still in the future. It hasn't happened yet. We haven't gotten to that place. And so Daniel is still looking ahead, and he has already seen all these kingdoms take place. And yet when he sees this small horn and this little horn and these ten horns come together and he sees this deal come together that, that there's, there's persecution and, and all this battle that happens as we'll see as we read along. And yet he talks about this one kingdom where, where all of it will be handed over to, to this ancient of days or the ancient of days shall hand it over to the son of, of man and it shall not pass away. And it speaks of this time, and, and the Bible calls it this, this thousand-year reign, which is the millennial kingdom. And you can read about it in Revelation 20, verses 1 through 7. The millennium will be a time where, again, Christ will rule and reign here on earth. It will be a time of universal peace, prosperity, long life, prevailing righteousness. And it will be a literal time. One of the things that I was looking at is I've been kind of looking at this and studying this and just kind of knowing this even for a long time. If, if all these other kingdoms were put in place just the way these two visions told us that, that they would, and Daniel, again, just kind of proclaiming this, if, if these kingdoms were put in place the way Daniel has told us they would, why wouldn't the second part of that fourth kingdom, the final kingdom, happen just the way he described it? Because I think oftentimes so many people say, well, that was so long ago. I could see how it happened, but it's been over 2,000 years since Jesus came and nothing has happened. Nothing has happened, and yet we doubt that any of this could happen. Could we think like, yeah, right, how does this really, how is it going to happen how can righteousness truly dwell when all we see is wickedness? And yet, if, if all of this came to pass exactly the way God predicted it back in those days, why do we doubt that this will happen? 
We as believers can look forward to this kingdom. Again, in Revelation chapter 20, it it gives us an understanding in the New Testament of what this will look like. And in verse 6, it tells us that we will be part of that. We will be vital in that millennial kingdom. And after a thousand years are, are done, we will spend eternity with our Creator. Now, before the millennial kingdom, there will be a time called the Great Tribulation which is also called the time of Jacob's trouble. It's a a period of seven years. And the first three and a half years is when, when the Antichrist comes and he makes this covenant, as we will see in a few chapters, in a couple chapters here. He will make this covenant with Israel and there will be virtual peace. He will come into the world and bring peace upon this world. And I don't know about you, if you watch the news or anything, but there's not a whole lot of peace going on. And if somebody were to show up and just kind of put everything at peace, people would just go, there he is. He's the Messiah. And so for the first seven and a half years, he will use it as a setup time for the second three and a half years, as we will see in Daniel chapter 9. Verse 15 to the end of the chapter here. It says, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the vision in my head troubled me. I came near to one of those who stood by and asked him the truth, of all this. So he told me and made me know, made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts which are four are four kings which rise out of the earth. But the saints of the most high shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever even forever and ever. Then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast which was different from the others, exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet, and the ten horns which were on its head, and the other horn which came up before before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth, which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came, and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Verse 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall, shall be the fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour and make, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings, which, rise, which shall arise from this kingdom. His kingdom, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be different from the first one, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall 
persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and laws. Then the saints shall be given into his hands for a time and times and half a time. But the court shall be seated and, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve all dominions shall serve and obey him. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed. But I kept the matter in my heart. And so we see here at the end here that this battle continues. As, as Jesus shows up and all this is given to him, and then in verse 15 we get the interpretation of what all of this is meaning, and, and, and yet we see in verse 18 that the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom. He, 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 he asks a little bit more about the, the ten horn or the, the, this, this other beast, the fourth, the, this, this whole dreadful thing that is happening, and he makes war against the, the, the saints and prevails against them until Jesus, the ancient of days, brings judgment. And he gives the saints of the Most High the possession of the kingdom. He tells us how dreadful this, this kingdom will, will be in verse 23, how it will devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. And he will continue to speak pompous words. And he will persecute or wear out the saints in verse 25. And he will do this for a time and times and half a times, which means that it will be for three and a half years. Forty-two months. One thousand two hundred and sixty days. This phrase, time, times, and a half a times, a time is one year, times is two years, and half a time is a half a year. And that's what it speaks about, this whole tribulation time. Now, as Christians... We look forward to the time, and our hope is when we are taken out of here, which is spoken of in Thessalonians chapter 4, which is different than anything that we've read here. And that's our hope. When we are able to meet the Lord in the air, you see, Jesus will come twice. He came the first time, he will come the second time. But the rapture will take place in the air. And that's our hope. As for Daniel, at the end here, he says that he was greatly troubled. There was no boasting. There was no pridefulness in this man. If anything, he was greatly troubled. And he kept the matters in his heart because it wasn't easy for him to see all of this that was happening, especially that his people would go through all of this. But in the end, the saints received the kingdom. In the end, the saints possessed the kingdom. And in the end, the kingdom is given to the saints. And he's talking basically about the Old Testament saints or those who will go through the great tribulation. And so, again, I want to reemphasize the fact that if God 
was faithful to give Daniel this, this, this whole scene of how it's going to play out. If God was faithful to give it to Daniel so that it could be written down for our benefit as believers to know God is faithful. And everything that he has said has come to pass. He gave this vision later on to John in the New Testament that he looks back and he sees what happens. And yet everything will happen exactly. Back in chapter 2, I want to finish with this, where, where he says, The dream is certain, and its interpretation, sure. And you can take that to the bank because it is, it is the word of God. He has already told us the outcome. Guys, we win. If you're in Christ, we win. But our hearts should break, just like Daniel. Daniel's heart hurt because the people were going to go through it. And that we have the opportunity because we have the word of God of telling us of what's going to happen. And so we get the opportunity to encourage others to come to know Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do bless you and thank you for this evening. Lord, thank you for your word, Lord God. It is powerful. Lord, as we see this prophetic side of Daniel here, Lord, you, you reveal things to him, and he wrote them down for us, Lord. Father, thank you, Lord God, for the detail that you give us, the understanding that you can give us, Lord. And Lord, just like you, you, you predicted that all these kingdoms would come into place, Lord, and history proves it, Lord, we know that in the end, there will be another kingdom that will trample this earth. It will destroy it because it hates what you've created, especially man. And so, Lord, I pray for boldness for each one of us that we might be able to share the promise of coming to you, Lord, to escape the wrath of God so that we can be with you one day, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing this last song. Blessings to you. God bless you. I don't know if we have a snack out, out in the foyer. If not, it might be in the back.